Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Hi, everyone. It's Mary Kay, and today I have Matthew Brownstein. He is the CEO of Anahat Education Group and the president of the International Association of Interpersonal Hypnotherapists, and he's also the founder of Silent Light Publishers and the Interpersonal NLP Society. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mary Kay. Pleasure to be here with you. Our audience is probably unfamiliar with hypnotherapy, and I wanted to talk about your background and just tell me how you came into this line of work. Yeah, my background was originally in the university setting as a philosophy and religion major. And then I was like, well, what do you do with that as a career? And I didn't want to go into academia. So I went into Chinese medicine and spent almost two years in two different Chinese medical colleges, learning how to heal people, essentially. But everything I learned kept pointing back to the mind that pretty much all human suffering and all of the problems we have on the planet, every time you look, it's like, all right, where's their problem? It tends to be a human being. <laughs> and then it tends to be, <laughs> and then it's like, and then it tends to be the mind of the human being, which is really the problem. So when people struggle with anxiety or depression or negative behaviors, uh, psychosomatic illness, then that's all the mind. So once I found hypnotherapy, I realized here's a direct way to get right into the root of the mind, which is the subconscious, and to make really powerful positive change really quickly. Because I wanted to know how do I perform miracles, like really fast, miraculous change. And the hypnotic state itself gave the doorway for that. And once I saw that, then my whole life became dedicated to it. So your experience, were you hypnotized and, and that was your first experience with this miraculous way of healing? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I was in acupuncture college and I went for a psychotherapy session for myself, just for my own personal growth. And the therapist actually said, she's like, I'm not really sure I can help you with what you're dealing with, but why don't you go to a hypnotherapist? And I was like, huh, never thought about that. And right after my very first hypnotherapy session, when I was still in hypnosis, there was a voice right in front of my face. It's, it was like that inner voice of guidance or whatever someone might call that. But that very wise voice said, you're going to be a hypnotherapist. And I, in my arrogance, in my early 20s, <laughs> I, I said, no, I'm going to be a doctor of oriental medicine. And yet the voice said, no, you're going to be a hypnotherapist. And then it stopped arguing with me. It just left. But sure enough, that was my life path. And yes, it happened actually when I was in the hypnotic state. Well, I had an unusual experience. I, I had morning sickness with my first pregnancy that was so severe. I was hospitalized three times, and they were giving me all these drugs, which you don't want to take when you're pregnant, to combat it. And it just seemed like all the doctors were always recommending medicine. And finally, one doctor said, you know, you really should do hypnotherapy. And I said, what do you think this is all in my mind? Like, I can't help it. And they said, not necessarily, but it's always really effective. So I went and the experience was so mind blowing. I won't even go into all the details, but I literally went back into some past life uh, where I witnessed somebody being abused and literally being kicked in the stomach until they threw up. And after that experience, I never threw up again. 
(laughs) (laughs) It was mind-blowing. So I'm a huge believer just because of that experience. But what types of clients find success? Does everyone find success with hypnotherapy? As powerful as it is, we don't like to put it out there as a panacea, right? Does it necessarily heal everybody of every condition? Uh, Yet, just like you were saying, even though your mind might not be causing your problem, Mm -hmm. your mind can really help with your problem. So I like to say that anything the mind affects, hypnosis can help with. So uh, I have seen incredible success with all types of illness, but especially psychosomatic illness where the mind is clearly causing the problem. Mm -hmm. So I have seen ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, cancer, allergies, asthma, endometriosis. I can go on. The list is significant of people I've seen healed from these conditions. I have a gentleman I'm working with now who has leukemia and working with his doctor, Mm -hmm. we have normalized his blood levels. Wow. Um, Yeah, the white blood cell count that was so high has gone down and the platelets have gone up. Um, And that gentleman was, was because of the steroid treatment for his cancer, he found that he was excessively urinating at night. Um, but I think that even had started before the steroids. It was 10 times a night. And the last session we just had, he reported he was down to urinating two times a night. And this is somebody in his 70s. So you'd wow. expect a little bit more urination at night. But yeah, this is down from 10 times a night to two. Um, so I'm a huge fan because my background in Chinese medicine, I'm working on psychosomatic illness. Um, but really any behavioral issue a person is dealing with where you just can't stop smoking, you can't exercise, you can't stop overeating. Mm -hmm. hypnosis is well known and great for that you mentioned the past life topic so there's really wonderful spiritual themes that we could explore Mm -hmm. using the hypnotic state and then i know you work with people with anxiety or that's part of your your theme and whether it's anxiety or depression or any type of emotional upset whether somebody lives with a lot of hurt sadness grief anger guilt Uh, I specialize in bringing people back to inner peace. So all those negative emotions can be transformed and usually much quicker than people think. I know. I always found like, I mean, doctors are great when you have a broken leg, but when there's a chronic issue and you're not getting answers and you're feeling worse, it's always something that has more immediate results in my experience. How does acupuncture release energy blockage? And is it similar to hypnotherapy or... Yeah, they're very interconnected. And when I was going through my Chinese medical studies, I had learned in my religious and philosophical studies, this idea of energy, I got a Reiki training, and a lot of the yogic and Buddhist models talk about energy blockages. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, okay, well, there's energy blockages. So I'll become an acupuncturist and remove the blockages. But in Chinese medicine, I learned early on from the Yellow Emperor's classic of Chinese medicine, it says the lesser level physician heals in the body level. The mid-level physician heals in the energy level. The highest level physician heals on the mental spiritual level. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm young enough. I'm going to dedicate myself to the highest level. Right. And so even acupuncture was saying these energy blockages are largely mental and emotional. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Chinese medicine, anger can become a blockage that affects your liver whether it's your physical liver, just what we call the liver organ system. But generally, uh, we notice in Chinese medicine, emotions affect the organs. Fear affects the kidneys. Anxiety affects the heart. Rumination, worrying, overthinking affects the spleen, stomach, pancreas system. Uh, So once you start seeing that, and then patients are coming into the clinic, 
and we're just putting needles in them. I'm saying, how is poking somebody with needles truly healing their mind and their emotions? But once I realized hypnotherapy can heal the mind and emotions very effectively, then if you just say emotion, emotion, energy in motion, right? When we suppress emotion, we're essentially blocking our energy. If you close your heart, you close your throat, you suppress a lot of anger down in your gut, mm -hmm. you get irritable bowel syndrome, mm -hmm. right? You could say, oh, this is an energy block. But no, you've got a lot of anger stored in your solar plexus. And the best way I found to release that is to actually work on the mental level. That mm -hmm. automatically heals the energetic level, which pretty much automatically heals the body. So I had a woman with Crohn's disease, similar to all that gastrointestinal upset, mm -hmm. and she was about 70 years old. So she had this for decades. Within 10 hours of total work, that was completely healed. And if you look wow. at the, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I feel amazing. that way all the time too. It's yeah. amazing that she tolerated for so long. You know, it's amazing the body can tolerate so much negative emotional negativity for right. so long because because right. that was most of these cases, you're dealing with a lot of anger and guilt. And mm -hmm. it's amazing the body can last as long as it does when we hold that type of toxicity. But once you really forgive, because that's the real essence of it, if you want to shift these energies, mm -hmm. you have to let go of these energies. And the word for that is forgiveness. Once I realized forgiveness is really at the root cause of all of these miraculous shifts, I was like, well, I can't do that with massage or herbology or acupuncture with the needles. Mm -hmm. um, you can't do that with hands-on healing like Reiki. But if you're going to get true forgiveness, you have to go to the mental level. And the psychoanalytic model, like the old Freudian analysis model, you might spend years, literally years, you know, analyzing the subconscious, and you might get some insights about why you're neurotic. <laughs> but, <laughs> with, <laughs> but with hypnotherapy, you can go directly to the subconscious mind. You don't analyze it. You talk directly to it. Mm -hmm. And when that part of the subconscious that was holding a pattern that made a negative decision maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, like once you make a decision, it stays in place until you choose again. And once you get to that part of the mind that said something like, I will never love again, or I will, I just don't want to live, or you know, whatever these thoughts are we have mm -hmm. that we hold on to. I hate him, I'll never, I'll never let go, I'll hold vengeance forever. <clears throat> you know, vengeance is mine. Like the moments you say, Oh, I'm not gonna do that anymore. That's destructive to me, I'm gonna let that go. To that extent, are you really truly healed? So that's where the miracles start to occur. Mm -hmm. Because how quickly can you change your mind? Right. Like, you know, like that in an instant, you can make a mental shift. You just have to get to that mental level to do so. Right. Well, this is amazing because I think about young kids. I, I've worked with a lot of young people that have anxiety, which always translates into anger and parents don't know what to do. It seems like hypnotherapy is the obvious choice, but a lot of times it's hard to find a hypnotherapist. Do you do your work on Zoom, or can you do it any other way, or do you need to be face to face with a hypnotherapist? And why is it so hard to find hypnotherapists? Yeah, okay. So, as far as doing it online, yes. Uh, when COVID came around, a lot of us started doing our sessions online. And you know, I'm the owner of one of the major schools in the country, so I don't see that many clients these days. So, we usually just refer out to our graduates, the higher level graduates now. But I can say the majority of them are doing sessions online. Mm 
and they've been just as effective, if not sometimes even more so. Really? When we're, yeah, because when you're in the office, like, you're in somebody else's office. But when you do a Zoom session, you're in the comfort of your own home. So like, I've got to see so many people's living rooms and bedrooms you know, <laughs> doing, doing the sessions online. But they're like doing it in their bed where they feel like their dog is sitting next to them. And they feel safe. They feel comfortable. They didn't get stressed having to drive in and sit in a waiting area and wait for 15 minutes. And um, it's it, the online medium has been wonderful for hypnotherapy. In fact, you know, I own a school in hypnotherapy, so I was watching chiropractic schools, acupuncture schools, massage schools during COVID, you know, like mm-hmm. devastated because you can't do the hands-on practice. But with hypnotherapy, we can offer a career where somebody can help other people from the comfort of their own home using Zoom. So yeah, the online medium, because mostly what we do is auditory, um, is more than good enough. And then as far as why you can't find a well-trained hypnotherapist, um, a lot of the hypnotherapy trainings out there are really subpar. They maybe are about 100 hours. They're not state licensed. Uh, the, you know, I, again, I was in you know, Chinese medical school, so my standards of education, that was my graduate studies, were really high. And mm-hmm. when I started seeing what was out in the field of hypnotherapy, there wasn't much. Um, but the good schools are state licensed coupling or accredited and so because there just isn't a lot of high quality training out there yet um, you either have psychotherapists who aren't using it or you have a hypnotist who went through a mediocre training who never really became a full professional anyway Uh, our school offers 500 hours of state license training and we've have over a thousand people now who have graduated but that's kind of a lot for us like we're proud of that number but compared to the population of the United States, that's actually a very small number. But if somebody's looking for a hypnotherapist, I recommend that they contact our school, work with one of our high-level graduates, and then you're going to know that you have somebody who has really high-level training. And if the person who's interested in hypnotherapy is considering therapeutic hypnosis, whether you're working on a mental health condition, a medical condition, or a dental condition, we can be sure to refer you to the right type of person as well. Yeah, because I work with some young people that have been physically or sexually abused. And obviously, there's a lot of anger there. And this would be great to incorporate with anyone in those situations as well. And the name of the school is Anahat Education Group, where they can find the information? That's the corporation. I think if you Googled that, you would find it. But we are the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. Okay. So they could find us at instituteofhypnotherapy.com. Okay, great. Thanks. What does an out-of-body experience feel like? I'm glad you asked. I didn't expect that one. But yeah, <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been practicing that and uh, teaching that for years. Mm-hmm. So there are five major stages that occur with an out-of-body experience. And the first is where you, you basically wake up and your body is still asleep, or you train yourself to get to the state called body asleep, mind awake. So generally, the brain waves there are going to be more in the theta delta, like the dream type of brain wave or mm-hmm. the deep sleep brain wave. But when you wake up and your body is in that state, mm-hmm. the first thing you notice is your body is essentially paralyzed. Because when you sleep, your body is paralyzed. So you don't like act out on your dreams or whatever. Yeah. Um, so when I am about to leave my body, the body is pretty much paralyzed and asleep. But you learn not to even worry about that you're just like okay great i'm in the state where i can move towards it towards an experience the next thing that has to happen is a vibrational state where you start feeling like all of the cells in your body are just vibrating at this very high rate it feels like the 
it's probably not what's happening, but it's like this feels like the space between the atoms like gets more expansive. Somehow there's just this high vibratory openness. It's hard to describe, um, but it's, it's a unique experience. And if you don't get this strong vibrational state, you're pretty much locked into your body. But once those vibrations are there, then you know you could leave. The next step is to find a way to separate from the physical body or to break coincidence from it. So I'll sometimes somersault backwards or spin roll out to my left, or you could just kind of will yourself up to the ceiling and that can work. But once you're separate, which would be the third stage, uh, you, know, you want to get used to just that idea because people get really afraid at that point. Like, oh my God, I'm out of my body. And then you, <laughs> <laughs> and then you come back to your body. But it, <clears throat> excuse me, but that's a really good first step. Like, well, I got the vibrational state. I actually got out, but then I got sucked back in. Once you get used to that, then the fourth stage is really to start traveling. Uh, you're not bound to anywhere, really. So you can travel anywhere in the physical plane. My experience is I've been able to time travel. I've literally proven I've gone back to time. I've proven I've gone to other people's houses, gathered information, came back, like places I've never been. I'm like, oh, I was there. You know, I saw wow. I was there. Um, but then you're Maybe not I'll limited. spot you tonight at dinner. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, though, I've experimented on meeting friends and family out of their body when I'm out of my body where uh -huh. I'll see them. But they don't remember the experience when I talk to them. Like they, people leave their bodies all the time and don't realize it. We're we're just not programmed to be conscious of an out of body experience. But yeah, a lot of us who do leave our bodies see others out of their bodies, talk to them, but then the next morning they don't remember a thing about it. Uh, so yeah, even if you contacted me, I might not remember, right? Uh, but yeah. there are times where I've experimented with some people who know how to do this and we verify, hey, we were both out of our body together. Um, but yeah, you can travel beyond the physical plane. There's planes we call the etheric plane or the astral plane, or if you just want to keep it simple and say like the heavenly realms, there are more subtle non-physical realms with all sorts of different beings. I mean, I've encountered ascended masters saints um, angelic beings you know like this stuff to me is very real fairies <laughs> like, right to me it's it's just part of what's out there beyond mm -hmm. what our physical eyes can see and then once you get used to traveling then the fifth stage is the return where you want to learn to return to your body calmly and safely if you come back too fast there's a really disagreeable sense of shock where your heart is pounding out of your chest. And you know, it's just the body is not used to the idea that the spirit you know, slams back into it. So mm -hmm. you do want to come in very slowly and consciously. So I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. It's something I'm passionate about. I don't get to talk about that much. Right. Well, do you get to that point through meditation, that your own meditation process that helps you? Or is, or is it hypnotherapy for yourself? Like, yeah, can it's you a common... Can, mm -hmm. can you hypnotize yourself? Yes, you can okay. definitely hypnotize yourself for virtually anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I use a combination of factors to increase the probability of an out-of-body experience occurring. So meditation is crucial. Mm -hmm. uh, emotional clearing in the hypnotherapy model, however you do it, is crucial. You don't, so you are not a body, and the you who gets out of your body will have your mind and your emotions with you. So you don't want to get out of your body while you're still filled with fear, anxiety, depression, anger, grief, and guilt. Mm -hmm. That'll be highly amplified out of your body. So mm -hmm. it's about like you might call it spiritual growth work or just personal growth work to heal the emotions mm -hmm. so that your energy system is clear enough for those high 
that high vibratory state I was talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, so we use hypnosis not just to clear the blocks, but to program that the experience will happen and that it will happen the way you would want it to, that you're calm, you feel safe, you remember the entire experience, you go where you want to go. Uh, if you can't see, sometimes you get out of your body, but it's all dark. And there's ways to set up trigger phrases to say, whenever I say clarity now, things get clear, things open up, my vision opens up. So we can use hypnosis to program for the experience well. And um, then there's just ways of increasing the probability of it happening. Like I've realized if my head is facing north in bed, mm -hmm. I, tend, I tend to project more. And uh, other famous, uh, Robert Monroe, one of the most famous out-of-body experiencers and authors, uh, he looked at all of his journals and he said, what direction was my body facing when I had the majority of my experiences? And sure enough, head facing north really helps. I'm a big proponent of a super healthy vegan vegetarian type diet. Mm -hmm. Even though Robert Monroe found no correlation, I absolutely find a correlation. So the more raw food you eat mm -hmm. and the more your diet is plant-based vegan, uh, you tend to be able to project better as well. So it's about meditation, hypnotherapy and hypnosis, and then in doing things that increase the probability of the experience. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. Can you describe mysticism? Is, is this really what it is? Well, yeah. So when I was in college as a religion major, I had had a very profound spiritual experience myself when I was 19, and I needed to know what that was. And I learned in my religious studies something called mysticism. And the way you could define that, if you want to use a slight, slightly theistic term here, it's the soul's desire to know its source. You might say, like, when a person says, I just need to know God. And, you know, if it's not a theistic model, like in Buddhism, right, the Buddha just wanted enlightenment. He wanted to be free of all suffering. So anybody who starts intense spiritual practice with a desire for spiritual awakening or enlightenment, you might call a mystic. So I would define mysticism as the process of the individual working to experience their oneness with the divine. And the nice thing about mysticism is it's about a universal experience that we can all have. So a universal theology mm -hmm. is impossible, right? We'll never all agree about the nature of God and universe and, you know, is right. it atheist or agnostic or Buddhist? But if we all have the same experience, then there's something really valuable to that because the experience of the mystics is one of love, light, peace, joy, bliss, ecstasy, like everything everybody wants to feel mm -hmm. is what a mystic wants to feel. But a successful mystic, a mature mystic, is someone who's tapped in to that reality and has direct access to it. So, yeah, I spend hours a day in meditation, and it's not discipline anymore because I want to go very deep into that state of uh, like I lived in India in the Himalayas, and my teacher there, he would call it absolute bliss consciousness. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, yeah, I want that. Yeah, right. It, you know, that's exactly. So when somebody's saying, I don't want to be anxious, I don't want to be depressed, that's what you don't want. Well, what do you want? Well, I want peace, love, joy, bliss, oneness. I want to feel guided. I want to feel purpose. I want to feel like I have a mission. I want my life to be rewarding and valuable and a service to others. And essentially, if you strip away all the weirdness you might associate with the word mysticism, a mystic is just someone who wants what everybody else wants, um, but the difference is a mystic is doing practices to help them to have that experience. And every religious tradition has a mystical branch, 
Mm-hmm. Like Islam has Sufism, mm-hmm. Judaism has Kabbalah, mm-hmm. uh, Buddhism has branches like Zen, where you are intentionally meditating to work to have those experiences. Mm-hmm. So do you ever get angry? Do you ever have envy or depression? You know, I haven't felt much of those emotions lately. Generally, my days are really peaceful and serene. Yeah, no, but, it's amazing. But it's, but it's not like I haven't had those emotions. It's right. just I've learned how to work through those. So right. I definitely struggled with anxiety through mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've learned how to be with those feelings where mm-hmm. if something comes up, it passes right through. If I notice a tinge of anger, which really isn't much these days, mm-hmm. um, I just take a breath, forgive, release, let it go. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in the early days, I had my own emotional knots or blocks or tendencies you know, to get angry or sad. But yeah, as far as like the last time I felt truly sad, scared, angry, guilt, I'm no, at some point, you're just free of all that type of stuff. So, uh, not that I'm not capable of feeling it, but yeah, I've learned how to work through it quite well. So let's say a, a young professional is is dating someone and then um, moves on, the relationship sort of fizzles out, and then her roommate starts dating the guy. There, there could be a lot of anger and envy in that situation. You would say, just forgive and let it go. Uh, I would say it's an opportunity for personal growth, right? So mm-hmm. things happen, right? People do things like, oh, I wish they didn't do. But instead of saying, all right, that push re- person really pushed my buttons and I'm going to be angry at the button pusher, mm-hmm. it's more important to look at our own buttons, right? Where we have emotional charge, where we can get hurt, right? If you're mm-hmm. If you're in a situation where someone else can upset you, That means you've got something inside of you that's capable of being upset. So I would say, yes, the ultimate solution is to forgive and let go. Mm -hmm. But not everybody even understands what the word forgiveness really means. So I would actually just say those type of situations are an opportunity for intense personal growth if you learn what to do with your emotions. So most people will either suppress their emotions and Mm -hmm. pretend they're not upset, Mm -hmm. or they will act out on their emotions. They'll express and vent them. And the truth is neither of those actions, suppressing emotion or venting emotion, ever gets rid of your emotions. Right? So <laughs> it's, 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 it's okay to have emotions. I thought emotions. it did. I'm just kidding. I know. I know most people, but that, that's why everybody's anxious because yeah. they're suppressed. Like you said, the anger is so connected to the anxiety because anxiety is like a superficial layer. It's like mm-hmm. I feel anxious. But if I said, well, what's underneath that drop down into anxiety what do you really feel then you see there's anger there's guilt there's fear there's hurt and there's sadness mm-hmm. you know when you get down to your core emotions you realize those are in there not just because you have the ability to feel those things they're in there because you've been holding on to these feelings from the past mm-hmm. right so we get hurt as children and those become our memories and then our memories are stored in our subconscious mind and the negative ones, it's like they're in a loop, just replaying themselves over and over again. Right. And it's so a hypnotherapy or, you know, these different techniques can get into there and break those loops and set us free. So, yeah, if somebody does something like dates your significant other or whatever, um, the example you just gave, if somebody does something that can really hurt you, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we have assertiveness principles to say, hey, that's not okay. You're not, you're not allowed to do those things to me. But either way, beyond assertiveness, 
we want to use it as an opportunity to say, wow, my heart is not okay right now. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want my heart to always be okay. So one of my books, I've written five books, one is called Peace Under All Circumstances. And how, do you, how can you be at peace no matter what's happening? That's virtually impossible unless you really dedicate yourself to that inner work first, right? learning to meditate, learning how to open your heart, learning how to clear your emotional blocks. And then it just gets to a point where you're feeling incredibly good inside, but your external world tends to match your internal world. Mm-hmm. So while internally you're feeling so good, you open your eyes, you're like, oh my God, my life just became so beautiful. So make the inside beautiful, prioritize that, and then the outside tends to follow. That's beautiful imagery. I love that. Um, well, you know, I see people, especially men, that are might be angry or have, you know, frustration with job market or whatever the scenario, but they look at hypnotherapy as, you know, someone's going to make them bark like a dog. You know, they have that that stereotypical vision that was so outdated that people would get up and make them do things. How do you get, how do you open people's mind that seem closed and think it's more like hocus pocus? Yeah, well, a big part of it is educating the public. So part of, you know, me getting on podcasts and whatnot is it's exactly that. I train all my students, like, get out there and talk to the public about what we're about, because mm-hmm. I didn't dedicate my whole life to making people cluck like a chicken. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, but, you know, obviously, if I had a dime for every time I've heard that, that type of thing. Right. Um, but the best way to help somebody, yeah, when somebody is not open to it, it doesn't matter to me. They can stay as close as they want. But the main thing is, have you suffered enough? So if I get to have a conversation with someone who's considering hypnosis, but they say, oh, are you going to make me do things I don't want to do? Well, number one, I'm going to educate them. But even more importantly, Mm -hmm. I'm going to help them to see, have you suffered enough, right? Because if you come to me asking me to help you, but you're saying, I don't trust the modalities you're using, um, again, education would be important, but really getting them to see, I know you know, you're struggling with something and I have solutions here. So if you've suffered enough, you'll let me help you with these techniques as long as you're open to to hear what I have to say, which is when you're hypnotized, you're fully conscious, you're fully in control. You do remember the entire experience in a professional clinical setting. Mm -hmm. We always tell you, you will remember the experience. So you don't come out with post-hypnotic amnesia. Mm -hmm. You can always reject suggestions. You could always, if I said, Bark like a dog. You could just say no. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, getting a, a person into a state of readiness to go into the state means we help them to not be afraid. We help them to understand. And again, we help them to see, look, you're suffering enough with this issue. Just let me show you there's a gentle, effective, I mean, scientifically, the, the uh, evidence now of the efficacy of hypnosis is no longer debatable, right? So that's a big part of it is just educating right. them that there's tremendous science behind what we do and that this can work. And if you've suffered enough with your issue and you're willing to just hear me out that I have a way to help you, then we quickly pace them away from, I'm not here to make you bark like a dog. I'm here to help you be free of your issue, to reach your goals, to find inner peace, to be happy and then it's usually pretty easy to get people on board. It should be the first thing people try. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, no, it just blows my mind when you try everything else and 
it, it's the last resort. And I'm like, at some point, we will get to the point where it is the first thing people try. So I'm hopeful about that. What are some of your client success stories? I love these stories. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mentioned the Crohn's disease. I mm-hmm. mentioned the success recently with leukemia. Uh, I mentioned endometriosis. I can tell you that story. So severe irritation in the uterine lining. Uh, that woman came in, she was also dealing with what she called rage attacks. And so she was just you know, violently angry inside. And that obviously was affecting her physiology. So we only did, from what I remember, two or three hypnotic regressions, like you mentioned past lives, but this was just a childhood. And it turned out to be her dad. You did mention child abuse. And yeah, her father had abused her in different ways. Once we processed and released the anger and forgave that and brought that back to a space of love and inner peace, uh, I got a testimony from her. It says, not only is my endometriosis totally gone, but I never have, her English wasn't perfect, so she said something like, I never have another rage attack again. Wow. Um, so the, the anger was cleared and the physical symptoms were cleared. I had a physician, he was in the back of one of our classrooms, he was standing and I was like, uh, you know, I didn't know why he had to be standing for the whole class, but I asked for a volunteer for a demonstration on eliminating pain. And he volunteered, he came up to the front of the room and uh, I started doing the intake and I said, from zero to 10, how bad is your back pain now? He's like, what's a nine? That's why I have to be standing. I can't even sit down. It's so painful. I said, okay. And emotionally, how do you feel around this from zero to 10? And he said, I am so angry with all this pain. That's like a nine. So the physical pain was a nine and the emotional pain was a nine. I did a demonstration in front of a group that took less than an hour Mm -hmm. and we had his pain all the way down to zero. We had his anger all the way down to zero. And at the end, when he got up and moved around and he had no pain in his body whatsoever, he said, Matthew, remember, this is a physician. He said, Matthew, you've just shown me that my profession is obsolete. (laughs) Now, now, uh, for the record, I'm not saying I believe that doctors are obsolete. You know, like you said, Mm -hmm. thank God we have our physicians. But this is a person who dedicated his life to the field of medicine and couldn't alleviate his own physical pain. Uh, But the problem is when you go through medical school, you start looking only at the physical body, right? And you just keep thinking people are bodies, people are bodies. You forget about the mental emotional being that's inhabiting the body and how much those emotions affect the physiology. Though I have a graduate, I just interviewed her the other day, who's a medical doctor. And we were talking about at what point in medical school do you lose common sense? Right. Do, you stop, do you stop realizing that the mind influences the body? And even when doctors say, oh, that's just stress-induced, they still give you medication. Totally. Instead of maybe sending you to a well-trained mental health practitioner, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, depends on you know the credentials needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, refer someone t- to work on the mental level as an adjunct in a complementary way of working. So we're not an alternative to medical care or traditional mental health counseling, mm-hmm. uh, but we are absolutely an adjunct to that because we have a certain set of techniques that most practitioners just don't have. Right. And I, I it, the mind-body piece is huge. And I, I do think that the doctor practices, medical practices that have incorporated the mind-body piece, y- you can't even get in those, those organizations. So I feel like 
it will be the wave of the future, but unfortunately, doctors never studied that. It wasn't part of their training. Nutrition wasn't part of their training. So mm. hopefully that that will change because I know I've psychiatrists that my students had gone to that didn't believe in meditation. And I said, what? <laughs> mm. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it shouldn't, it wasn't a part of the everyday experience. So I'm, I've always been a huge believer, obviously, of the mind-body connection, and I I really love what you're doing. I think you are v- one of the most helpful beings in this planet, and hopefully we'll see a lot more people accessing hypnotherapy. I'm even interested in getting trained by you because I think this would, in my work, would be hugely helpful. So thank you. Nice. Well, thank you for all those kind words. And yeah, and part of why I get on these podcasts is just to get a positive message out there. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, of course, uh, we run a business and the more people know about it, you know, the better off all around. But yeah, somebody like you, you're actually a demographic. You would love our training. Just I know. I know. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense. So just tell me before we um, close here, what is a great day for you? Like describe <laughs> a great day. Uh, nice. So I wake up and I always meditate. I start my day with spiritual practice. I I love little things as well, like it's called a chi machine or a biomat. So I'll start the day with just tons of self-care. I have a sauna at the house. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually like two hours in the morning is spent for self-care, uh, maybe some yoga, some tai chi, some qigong. Uh, and then if it's a work day, yeah, I'll be working with my team. I've got about 30 or 40 people who work with me now in the company. And uh, it's all about loving and harmonious relationships. So, you know, our team, everybody just has to be in a good space. If not, you're just not on the team. So usually, <laughs> you know, usually it's Sounds a Sounds like a dream a- job. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, I, yeah, I, I love what I do. I you know, I don't really do that many private sessions anymore with clients, and I don't even teach that much anymore. It's mostly mm-hmm. just running a pretty significant institute now. Um, but a lot of my day is spent actually doing these podcasts now. I have a booking manager who just mm-hmm. gets me on these shows just so I right. can keep spreading the message. So, yeah, like today I'll spend another three or four hours doing exactly what we're doing now just oh. to get the message out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my evenings are always dead. Usually around 4 o'clock I stop working. I'll spend another two hours in meditation in the afternoon and then my evenings are almost always complete meditation Mm -hmm. for probably two three four hours maybe a little tv just to you know disconnect from everything um but generally i always spend four to six hours a day doing spiritual practice and to me yeah that makes for really beautiful days and i'm a very avid hiker kayaker i'm a paraglider so i'll get out in nature anytime i can but mm-hmm. yeah a typical day is a lot of spiritual practice and then work with my team to help mm-hmm. to heal the world do you ever miss hypnotherapy with your clients i do still see one or two people a week mm-hmm. because i couldn't imagine totally disconnecting from yeah. it even though i don't need to financially see clients right. anymore uh, it's like I'm working, I told you now, with the gentleman with leukemia and the mm-hmm. excessive urination. And just to hear him tell me his blood levels have normalized, that he's not afraid of dying anymore, that we've essentially saved his life, and he doesn't have to wake up 10 times a night to urinate, I would really miss that if I didn't do it. And most, I don't teach that much. I 
trained a lot of teachers. And so I do miss the private sessions and the teaching, mm -hmm. but like I've lived in monasteries and it's usually the senior monastics who tend to have to do all the business administrative stuff because mm -hmm. who else is going to do it right. <laughs> when it's, you know, the newer people get to do all the meditation and, you know, it's the senior ones who actually have to really kind of run it as a business. So mm -hmm. yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that, but it's worth it because we've graduated like over a thousand people now and every one of those people, Someday I want to measure that a thousand graduates do 15 sessions per week. That's 15,000 hypnotherapy sessions that happen every week because of me and my team. Um, right. That's way more. I can only see like 25 clients a week max, and that's still a 50-hour work week, which is a lot. But now if I can have 15,000 hypnotherapists duplicating what I do, then I know we're truly healing the world. So, yeah, I do miss clients, but knowing what I'm doing is more influential, mm -hmm. then it, it's, worth, it's worth it. Right. Well, let our audience know how they can get in touch with you to learn more, whether they want to become a hypno hypnotherapist or want to help a loved one. How can they get more information? Yeah, thank you. Instituteofhypnotherapy.com. That's where to find us. Instituteofhypnotherapy.com. I don't see many clients, like I said, but if somebody's really feeling called to reach out to me, the school can get them in touch with me. Mm -hmm. um, and also I have a free it's a website called onlinemonastery.com mm -hmm. where you can learn about out-of-body travel, meditation, sacred geometry, the basics of how to meditate, and then very advanced stuff. Uh, it's 100 hours of free meditation training at onlinemonastery.com. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I've learned so much, and I really look forward to talking with you again and learning more about your work, and thank you joining us. Oh, thank you, Mary Kay. It's been a pleasure. I want you to find a comfortable position. See if you can find a chair or lie on your back. Close your eyes. Imagine all the anger and sadness, worry, envy washing away. You are safe and well-loved. Consciously allow the thoughts to dissipate, knowing that you are your thoughts. Keep it positive, happy, joyful. Right now, imagine feeling so joyful, a smile, starts to form on your face. Try to remember those moments where you felt awesome. You felt confident. You walked in the room. You owned the room. Imagine that you have no fears, no worries. Everything goes your way. Resistance to any happiness blocks us from what you want. Find the joy as you experience happiness and joy. You'll attract exactly what you want. 
when things don't go your way, you've been likely obsessing about something, not feeling joyful, and focusing on what you don't want. Allow the muscles in your body to relax even deeper. Know that you have the power to control what happens to you just by letting go. Let go of the anger against your father, against your roommate, against the jilted lover. Let it all leave your body. None of it matters. You are much greater than that existence. All of that heartache was really a way to teach you how to be. It was a learning experience. And now you can move on. Allow your jaw to relax the eyes soften, inner and outer ears relax, your brow relaxes, the neck releases any stress or tension, your throat chakra opens and shines so that you can voice your opinion and stand up for those who don't have a strong voice. Your heart chakra opens up. Imagine like love pouring out of your heart chakra, attracting really valuable relationships, people who respect you, honor you. Now your arms feel loose and heavy. You can feel the earth pressing into your back, back of the head lower back and all the tension leaves your back your hips feel heavy and relaxed loose relaxed hips the right leg softens and feels heavy the left leg softens and feels heavy now allow your feet in your hands to relax. Imagine your entire body feeling completely relaxed. Honor this sense of peace and stillness and just feel the joyfulness in being still. Honor the peace within you that you always have access to when you can release any negative thought. I hope you have a great day and I'm gonna leave you with this Maya Angelou quote that I love. She said, I've learned that whatever I decide 
Wait. I'm going to leave you with this Maya Angelou quote. She said, I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. And I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.